Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, next Monday, July 30th, Uh, We are going to continue our community conversation as part of our Detroit Today Summer Book Club. We will be in Warren at the Dorothy Bush branch of the Warren Library Monday to July 30th to talk about Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, and housing insecurity issues all over southeast Michigan. Uh, We will be talking specifically about how the city of Warren ranks in the top 10 nationally for court-ordered eviction, something that I learned recently. We are looking into uh, ways in which to try to explain that phenomenon, and we'll have some folks there who will be able to talk about it. But we want you to come out, talk about the book, talk about housing issues in Warren, and particularly these court-ordered Eviction. So that is next Monday, July 30th. You can go to WDET.org slash events to find more details. Up first today, in two weeks, Libertarians are going to have their first primary ever here for governor in the state of Michigan. Gary Johnson's campaign in 2016 and the dissatisfaction with the Democratic and Republican presidential candidates helped Libertarians capture more than 5% of the total votes that were cast In that election in Michigan, that means they can hold a primary two years later, and that will happen here in 2018. The last time a third party held a primary in Michigan was in 1998, two years after Ross Perot's Reform Party did well enough to get ballot access. We talk a lot on this program, if you are a frequent listener, you know this, about major parties and the possibility that maybe a third party could emerge to give Americans and Michiganders more choice at the ballot box. So... What will this primary mean for libertarians, third-party movement, and for the election itself? Today, we'll hear from both of the candidates running for governor as libertarians, and we want to hear from you. Tell us if you're thinking about voting in the libertarian primary on August 7th. Uh, Here in Michigan, you have to choose which primary you you vote in, and uh, you've got to declare yourself as an allegiant to that party in order to cast a vote. Are you thinking about declaring that you are a libertarian this year and voting in that primary rather than the Democratic primary or the Republican primary. Also, we want to continue a conversation that we've been having for a while here about the idea of third parties. Is it time for Americans to have better choices consistently at the ballot box for statewide races like governor? Is it time that maybe a third party emerges and supplants the Democratic or Republican Party as the two major parties? That's something that's happened in our history as well. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, uh, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. And uh, joining us first to talk about the Michigan Libertarian Party and the upcoming primary is Bill Jeleno. He is a Libertarian candidate for governor here in the state of Michigan. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Glad I could be with you. Yes. Uh, so let's first talk about your background and your experience. What is it that leads you to say, I'm ready to be the next governor of the state of Michigan? Well, I have a long corporate experience, and uh, I really do invite people to go to my website, which is cometogethermichigan.org. Uh, I have an extensive bio, one of the 
toughest things I ever had to write out in all honesty about all the different things I've done. And uh, it really does require an active citizenry to understand a little more about how a third party or the third party in America is surging to become a competitor with the Republicans and the Democrats. Uh, but beyond that, most importantly, I think um, I've been involved in the liberty movement for 25 years mm-hmm. and have been a two-time chairman of the Libertarian Party of Michigan. I've worked hard to bring those ideas to uh, various parts of the state and have helped build new uh, local affiliates so that we can build and become a stronger and more competitive force. Um, and, and talk about some of the things that, uh, that that you're thinking about as we approach this moment, I guess, for libertarians in Michigan. This is the first ever primary for libertarians. That's a huge step forward. It is, and, and even bigger. I, I was listening to you mentioning that the last time a party uh, accomplished this level uh, was in 1996 when uh, Ross Perot brought the Reform Party. But they didn't even nominate a candidate in 98 because there was no real infrastructure that went with the Reform Party. It wasn't a real party, right. Yeah, right. exactly. Whereas Libertarians are much larger. We have affiliates that cover all of the major population centers in Michigan. And uh, so we're just a different bird completely. Uh, and uh, I'm actually the first candidate to file in a gubernatorial primary that wasn't a Republican or a Democrat since 1970. Hmm. And never in our history has a third party had a competitive primary. And I think that speaks volumes to the level of organization that we have. Yeah. Uh, do you have any idea how many people you're expecting to cast ballots on August 7th? Well, I think this is one of the real issues. Um, too often, I think the Democrats and Republicans have dictated the, the course of things, and uh, the media accepts these polls, and they regurgitate that information routinely uh, without questioning the fact that, um, you know, often where it says other or undecided, folks are actually supporting third parties, but they don't like those words to be used. And so I feel that the only real poll is when there's an election and when there's an opportunity for people to hear you know, where people stand. And so we've advocated that polling services include all qualified parties on the ballot. Hmm. I, I, I'm curious also what you're hearing from voters as you wander the state uh, talking to people as the, as the Democratic and Republican candidates surely are, are doing. What is it that you're hearing from them that says this might be a moment for libertarians or a third alternative uh, to Democrats and Republicans? Sure. Well, um, I was very involved with Gary Johnson's campaign. Mm -hmm. And as you know, he was endorsed by uh, one of the major newspapers in Michigan, as Mm -hmm. well as others around the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it goes beyond just simply being dissatisfied with the Democrats or Republicans. Uh, We have a tool that we use, which you can find on my website. Um, It's called the World's Smallest Political Quiz. And we use that as a kind of a a way to gauge the public sentiment. And we find that that combination of free market economics together with a very social uh, tolerance, uh, much like Gary Johnson talked about, is is really the thrust of my campaign. And one of the reasons why I think we've been so well received. Um, So let's talk about some of the issues. Uh, A Bill Jelno gubernatory gubernatorial administration would would set priorities in in what way talk about some of the the issues that would rise to the top of your attention well i don't believe any of the democrats or republicans have an honest plan to fix the roads and here's how i would do it 
is number one is I believe we can issue bonds to make sure we have the resources to get cracking it, getting that job done. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we pay for it? Well, the Democrats say, well, we have to raise taxes. And the Republicans say, well, we'll just let the economy sort of fix itself by growing enough to grow our way out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think both of those are, are not honest. And so what I would do is when the voters, and they will in November, approve uh, recreational marijuana, I have said that I would immediately put together a board to provide clemency to anyone in the system who has not committed a violent crime that uh, was convicted in any kind of a possession offense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we have, and, and many voters know this, about 30% more people in prison than Ohio or Indiana or Illinois and, and I just don't believe that people in Michigan are inherently more criminal. So mm -hmm. as we call that back, that $750 million that we would have available every year that we can move out of our corrections budget, will pay off those bonds, and eventually we'll have the kind of roads that, that a first-world country should have. Yeah. Uh, so so now you would take the, 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 the revenue from marijuana, but you're talking about a few hundred million dollars in tax revenue uh that's that's a start i guess on the roads but that's that's nowhere near the numbers that no it's not that but folks again, are talking if, about if we sell bonds and, and even if we were to sell as much as you know two and a half to three billion dollars in bonds uh -huh. we have an annual savings available in corrections of 750 million dollars mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so on top of the current expenditure we can have that paid off in a very short period of time. So that's a very realistic number. I think if folks go to my website, they'll see that I've analyzed the budget perhaps more in a more adult fashion than anybody that's in the race. And just being honest, that we don't need to raise taxes. What we do need to do is set better priorities. And the incarceration of, of the number of people that we have in Michigan needlessly is really something that needs to be addressed, and, and and many many academics are behind the idea of prison reform. Yeah. But there's other places to find money as well. Yeah, and I, I'd like to tell you about those too. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the corrections budget is two billion dollars. You'd have to, to to cut an awful lot out of it to, to get to get close on the roads. But I think that is a really interesting way to to tie those things together. And and I think you're right. We haven't heard from the the, the major party candidates nearly as much about how they want to come up with uh, with the money to do that. Talk, talk well, I think about, you also have to yeah, add in the, the money for the state police and for the judiciary budget that is awfully tied up in this whole corrections problem. Mm -hmm. And so the number is closer to $3 billion. And yeah. so when you look at a 30% savings, that $750 million number that I've quoted is spot on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the other things that would be on your priority list if if you were to be elected governor. Well, I, I'm just ashamed at some of the ways in which our schools have decayed. And, and one of the priorities that I feel is important is we need to restore the level of counselors. When I went to school here in Michigan, we had about three times as many counselors per student. And with the pressures that are on children, especially, you know, we look at we've got a teenage suicide crisis. Mm -hmm. We've got drug problems. And, and more pressures than ever for kids to make choices and, and, and to be identified when they've got those stresses. And I think counselors is one of the things that we can do to really make a difference. And where we're going to find that money is there's a big pile of money out there in something called the strategic fund. And that's a lot of different things, mm -hmm. some of which I would retain. But we're really talking billions of dollars. And one of the ones that I find the most offense in is something called Pure Michigan. People know what that is. Mm -hmm. And I've said that's pure BS, and here's why. <laughs> Government should not be funding to promote business. 
you know, big business is always the benefactor of these kinds of charades the government does. And small business people really don't benefit. And I've said it's really awful when things that really ought to be Chamber of Commerce stuff uh, takes money and requires the taxes stay higher when there's folks that are struggling to put food on the table and to get to their jobs. And so it's really just a, a misappropriation of money. I would change that immediately. Um, I know there are others who criticize some of these these campaigns, but both the Democrats and Republicans have been guilty of it. Uh, Jennifer Granholm had the film industry. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm always curious about the criticism of those kinds of programs. I mean, first of all, Pure Michigan doesn't cost a terrible amount of 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 money, but you you say it benefits big business. I mean, there's a lot of very small businesses that benefit from tourism, and I think uh, I think you have to look at how much uh, tourism has increased since we've been doing Pure Michigan. Except it hasn't. Uh, and, and go look at the Michigan's figures that the number of people in the hospitality and service industry over the last 12 years is virtually flat. And the bottom line is whether you're a big business or a small business working on the lakeshore, you should do whatever you need to do to advertise and to, and to get together with others to bring people to those businesses. We should never, ever be expecting a single mother in any of our cities who's struggling to put food on the table and to get to her job mm-hmm. to subsidize businesses that make money. And if they can't make money by doing the kinds of things that other businesses do, Pure Michigan shouldn't be subsidizing them. And it's no different than the film credits or some of the real crony capitalism things that the Republicans have advocated. Uh, I want to give you one quick example, if I could. Sure, go ahead. Uh, when I was in, I live in West Michigan, and uh, I live in Lowell, and we have a beautiful little showboat out there that was built back in the 40s, and it's in need of decay. And our state senator was really proud of the fact that he was able to slip into one of the bills a million dollars to repair that showboat. And the fact is, it's pretty much used by people who have the resources to have repaired it on their own. And and they say, well, that's grant money. It's not mm-hmm. like we had to pay taxes for it. I say, where do you think these things come from? And it really is a question of priorities. And what libertarians consistently talk about is how people use government to get the stuff that they want. Mm-hmm. And I very much focus on using government to do the things it's supposed to do. And that's not one of them. Uh, of course, there have been studies that talk about the economic impact of tourism and how it's grown since uh, Pure Michigan has been in, in place. I, I assume you're, you're rejecting those those studies. I do. Um, you know, the, the, the film industry, for example, you know, we gave a 40 percent operational activities credit. I mean, that's ridiculous. Any business that needs 40% support it just isn't viable, and that's why, now that that's been repealed, most of those things are not being done in Michigan. And it was a very high cost and very little benefit. One of the first things that was ever done... But, but don't, you the, think, the, don't you sorry, think that the, the, the benefit, to, to assess the benefit fully, you got to get beyond dollars and cents? I mean, uh, the, the, the recognition, the buzz, the kinds of industries that were starting to crop up uh, because of the filmmaking that was going on here, you don't think that is is valuable enough to justify the the subsidy? When we have schools that don't have sufficient needs, when we have roads that are that are full of potholes, mm-hmm. and when we have other other priorities which are much much higher, no, we don't need these things. I was really pleased when I announced where I stood on this. That was the day they took down the Pontiac Silverdome, mm-hmm. another complete boondoggle that the state <laughs> subsidized for many years. And the bottom line is if people who want 
football stadiums and these things ought to get together and put their resources together. They shouldn't do it on the backs of hardworking taxpayers. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Libertarian candidate for Governor Bill Jeleno. And we want to hear from you. Is it time for us to really give a third party a try in our general elections? You will have a chance to do that uh, on August 7th for the first time ever. Uh, The Libertarian Party will have a primary here in, in the state of Michigan. Are you somebody who's thinking about voting? in that primary. Are you thinking maybe about voting for the Libertarian candidate in the fall? 313-577-1019, as always, is the number on the phones. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Bill Jeleno. He is a Libertarian candidate for governor here in the state of Michigan. The Libertarian Party will have a primary on August 7th, just like the Democrats and Republicans. This is the first time in history that the Libertarian Party will have a primary. Uh, We're talking about whether that marks the emergence of that party as a more serious contender for statewide races like governor here in Michigan. Uh, We're also talking about just the concept of third parties, something we talk about pretty frequently here on the program. Is it time for Americans to have broader choices when they go to the ballot box? Are the Democrats and the Republicans just not cutting it. Uh, as always, the number on the phones, if you want to join the conversation, have questions for Bill Jelano or want to talk about third parties or the Libertarian Party in particular, uh, the number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and uh, uh, hashtag Detroit Today will work you into conversation. In a little bit, we are going to talk to the other Libertarian candidate for governor who will be on the ballot during that primary election. John Tater will join us as well. Uh, Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Let's go to Chris in the University District. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for taking my call, Stephen. Uh, I'm I'm a a Gary Johnson voter in the last election, and in general, I'm I'm, uh, interested in libertarian philosophy, but the thing that I always get pushback from a lot of my friends on uh, about the libertarian movement is what do you, you know, so government is there for certain essential things. Um, you know, corporate welfare is, is, you know, one of those things that we probably should avoid, which is part of why, you know, I'm a, I do identify with the libertarian party, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, given that the libertarian uh, platform really emphasizes either, you know, low or no taxation. Um, where do you get the funding for things like mental health mm-hmm. uh, care that's you yeah. know provided by state tax dollars, or things like um, 
you know, early child, you know, education and welfare sure. benefits. Sure. So. Uh, great question, Chris. Before I before I get to Bill Jelano to uh, to answer your question, I, I I have a question for you. Are you planning to vote in the Libertarian primary on August seventh instead of the Democratic or the Republican? You know, this is part of the reason why I love listening to your show because I actually didn't even realize that they, they were going to be. <laughs> that on you the had ballot. that choice. So, no, <laughs> yeah, so 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 now I'm definitely going to be considering it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I have to weigh my options. I'm a, I'm an independent, so I have the ability to vote in any of the the, the primaries. Um, but I'm I'm definitely going to consider it, and yeah. I'll hear what all your candidates have to say yeah. this morning. Yeah, Chris, I appreciate the call uh, and the questions. Bill Jelano, talk about how. Uh, a libertarian governor would approach issues like mental health. I think that's a great subject to talk about. That's a part of state government that we saw dismantled uh, 20, 25 years ago by Governor John Engler, who thought the private sector could do a better job at providing mental health services than government could. Uh, even John Engler today, if you ask him, will say that was a mistake, that the the, the chaos we see uh, with people who confront mental health issues uh, is owes to his dismantling of that system. Uh, how would you approach that issue as governor? Well, I'm glad you asked. And, and again, I do steer people to my website, which is cometogethermichigan.org, because I do talk about a lot of these things in detail, including mental health mm-hmm. and the environment. And, you know, we're going to start with the fact that I, as a candidate, do not, even though I've been involved with the party for a really long time and I support the direction and where we want to get to, um, I'm different from my opponent in that I use libertarian values to inform me. They do not control me. And I don't Hmm. see that we need to make radical changes until we show people that we've earned it, that we've had the opportunity to govern, and that we've pointed the direction and built some consensus around some of the changes that I've discussed. I'm, I'm not running to be king. I'm running to be a governor. Mm-hmm. And that means that I'm going to work collaboratively with the le- legislature to make some of the changes that I've advocated. And uh, so things like mental health uh, is certainly something that was ignored, particularly, you know, when we talk about the prison system and the number of people that are in the prison system that need mental health services. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And this is just indicative, again, of priorities. And so when I talk about pushing away from crony capitalism and the subsidies to corporations, it's really talking about the fact that mental health and our schools are some of the things that the public has decided those are things that are important, and we need to focus more energy on that. Um, We haven't talked at all about the environment. Mm -hmm, and. mm -hmm. To me, this is one of those issues that libertarians are not recognized for. I have two extensive treaties on my website where we talk about not just what we want to get done, but how we're going to get there. And uh, there's a little-known tax out there called the Industrial Facilities Tax that I would apply more broadly to companies that handle toxic substances so that we can go after some of the problems that we've created. We look at Line 5. We look at the algae blooms that are experienced on Lake Erie. There's lots of really important issues that take time to understand and discuss. I'm someone who's been involved in public policy for a long period of time, and I've thought this out. And the industrial facilities tax is an existing tax that can be applied appropriately at a a very low level, but we really need to go after the 7,000 toxic sites that there are in Michigan. And I don't hear the other parties talking about that at all. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Talk a little more about this concept of allowing libertarian principles to inform your decision-making and thinking about things and not having it 
control you. I think that's a very interesting concept uh, to hear about from uh, from a from a political candidate. I, I don't know that I I don't know that I've heard um, a, a lot of Democrats or Republicans even talk that way about their beliefs. Are are you talking there about uh, the idea of cooperating with uh, people who think differently, or are you talking Absolutely. about something deeper? You know, it's time we stop yelling at each other. You know, I don't know when we decided to assign colors to the political parties, the red for the Republicans and blue for the Democrats. I think that's a TV invention, actually. Well, you know, it's the same colors as the Bloods and the Crips. And I've said that too often these parties act like gangs. You know, they, they protect each other, they cause a lot of mayhem, and they really don't give a darn what anybody else thinks. And I'm just a very different personality in my business life and and even in my family life. I think just more cooperatively on how we get things accomplished. And it's one of the reasons why I don't talk about radical change. I talk about having the opportunity to lead, point a direction, and work cooperatively with others. And, And it does distinguish me from some of my other libertarian peers in that I'm a pragmatist. I believe that if we're ever going to be given that opportunity, we do need to make some fundamental change in our electoral process. I've been a big advocate of ranked voting, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I believe that to win the future, you have to lead with a real honest program. And I've built that. And uh, it may or may not win the day. You know, some libertarians say, well, maybe you're not you know, charging up the hill with enough vigor. Um, I, I think my history has shown that I have more energy than almost any libertarian out there in mm-hmm. the pragmatic way working with others is really the best way to go. Yeah. Uh, Jason on Twitter uh, brings up the idea of ranked choice voting. He says no third party will take hold until you have some form of ranked choice. Do you believe that, uh, Bill Jelano, that those things go hand in hand, the success of a party like the Libertarians and the ability of voters uh, to make more than one choice? I, I do think that longer term that is a change that, that is needed for America. And I've advocated for a better democracy, not just for libertarians, but for green voices or any other party that's on the ballot. And so do we need to make some of those fundamental changes? Yes. Um, but I also think there's a responsibility of the media to do more. Um, you've been very gracious, but there are many media sources that just accept it as it's given to them. Uh, they don't include us in the polls. How do you know how well we'll do if you don't ask the question? If we don't ask, Those are sure. the kinds of things we need to change. Yeah. Uh, again, Chris, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to Bill in Dearborn. Bill, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, um, I'm also uh, very sympathetic to the... Um, libertarian philosophy in general and have been attracted to it and voted for it. And, um, my question, though, is, Stephen, I've heard you many times make the case that um, historical unfairness in the system has given minorities a major disadvantage mm-hmm. in our system and mm-hmm. that something needs to be done about that. And I'm just curious how the libertarian candidates would respond to that. And Stephen, you can probably make the case better than I just did. But uh, that's no, I thought you did. I thought you did pretty well there, Bill. <laughs> Thanks very much for the call uh, and the question, uh, Bill. I'll expand a little bit on that uh, and talk about how libertarians tend to believe that that government even acknowledging differences between people is is problematic. Uh, that, of course, bumps up against the need uh, for government to try to remedy the things in the past that have, you know, set African-Americans and lots of other people behind. How, how, how do you approach the, those issues? 
Well, in a short period of time, it's difficult to explain, but I, I want to say that I am what's called a public square libertarian, which means there's a difference between what you do with the king in your castle and what you do when you step into the public square. And as Jefferson said, the only purpose of government is to protect the individual rights of, of its citizens. And so while we don't believe in group rights, often we find that certain groups have been harmed by government and need that protection. And so differentiating me from my, my opponent and many other people, I'm, for example, in favor of expanding the rights under Elliot Larson, mm -hmm. which is the, the uh, really the foundational rights that were put in place to protect people with regard to housing and other circumstances. So I, I think that, again, putting everybody in a box and saying all libertarians are this mm -hmm. is kind of like saying the same thing about Democrats or Republicans. Sure, sure. I'm who I am. I think I have a really good, strong team of people who believe in a broad set of principles, creating a certain direction for the country, but protecting the rights of individuals, and particularly the racism inherent in the system. Let's face it, it's the people who have resources, who use government get to get the things they want. And that's why you see these enormous subsidies going to things that the upper middle class desires. And so I think to a great extent, folks in of more modest means, which I grew up in Downriver, Detroit, I have an understanding of how these levers of government are used. And I think libertarians are not always what people have characterized them to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Bill Jelano, libertarian candidate for governor on the ballot, the primary ballot, August 7th. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you so much for the time today, Stephen. Sure, it was great to talk to you. Up next, we're going to talk to the other libertarian candidate who is on the ballot August 7th for governor here in Michigan. John Tater will join us. He was a major in the Air Force, worked as an engineer in fiber optics, and is somebody who obviously believes that it may be time for a libertarian to sit in the governor's seat in Lansing. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Call and tell us what you think about libertarians being on the primary ballot. Tell us what you think about the idea of maybe a libertarian being governor. Uh, we'll be right back with more Detroit Today.